Welcome back to the Movie Babble Podcast. As always, you can check us out online at moviebabblereviews.com. And today you've got myself, Colin, and I'm joined by Nick as we break down the opening weekend for Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All right, so in the number one spot, we've got The Lion King with 75.5 million domestic, followed by Once Upon a Time in Hollywood opening up at 40.3 million domestic. Spider-Man Far From Home is in the number three spot at 12.2 million domestic, followed by Toy Story 4 in the number four spot at 9.8 million domestic, and Crawl rounds out the top five with four million domestic. So The Lion King is still in the number one spot, but it has dipped pretty hard percentage-wise has about a 60.6% drop. Um, and I mean, it's still pulling in 75 million domestically and is at a little over 962 million worldwide. Um, so it's definitely on its way to becoming another billion dollar movie and uh, really unfortunately justifying Disney's remake strategy because they're still making ridiculous amounts of money. Yeah, it's it's a tough situation because... The, this new Lion King, it was the highest ever opening for one of these Disney... I mean, it's not a live-action movie, and I will stand by it, but it's part of this whole wave of Disney remaking their own films, and it was the highest-grossing movie of that ever. And But interestingly, it's also the, the biggest week-to-week drop, so this was the highest drop of any of these new um, remakes. So that is interesting to point out. that I think... I mean, it's Lion, It's the Lion King, so people are going to go see this. People love this story. It's, I mean, it's Shakespeare, and it trans, it goes, it translates across all languages and nations, and people just like love this story, and it appeals to a lot of different people. So you're going to make a lot of money, um, just bringing this back into theaters. And I think, as for as void of artistic, like thought that I think this movie has, I mean, it's, it is is it is a very smart business move, in that sense, but. Yeah, you really, this is just kind of Disney's MO at this point. You can't, you can't fault the numbers. It's going to pass a billion soon, probably like sometime in the middle of this week, by the time we come back next weekend, talk about the greatest movie ever made, Hobbs and Shaw. Um, <laughs> this movie will have already crossed a billion dollars. So from that standpoint, and financially, it's a hit. It's doing crazy. It's doing really, really good. This is just, this is just the summer of Disney. We're going to talk about other films and here too like aladdin just crossed the billion dollar mark where i didn't think that was possible after the first week after seeing it and people didn't really seem to like that movie either and it's it is really interesting just how i mean maybe this is part of me just living in my film twitter bubble or things like that but i don't really see anyone falling in love with either of these movies um so it is really interesting to see it do really well in it's the second week yeah and i think Aladdin, more of the reaction was we had really terrible like trailers for it and everyone went in with a really negative opinion and it turned out not to be completely awful. Whereas I think Lion King, everyone was just like fawning over the Lion King and now we have it and it's pretty much what we already had, but not as good. <laughs> and <laughs> I've just I've seen more of the reaction to Lion King has just been more negative because people's expectations were higher. Whereas with Aladdin, it was pretty low expectations and it did the bare minimum. And so people kind of fell in love with it after the fact. Um, and I I think Aladdin, we talked about, has had these really strong legs. Already the Lion King is showing it, it doesn't have those, at least in this first weekend drop. Um, and I, 
I don't see Lion King staying top five relevant as long, even though it's definitely going to make more money. Yeah, I definitely agree with that one. I think, I mean, it's going to stay in the top five for quite a few weeks. I mean, in its second week, it was the high, it was the winner of the weekend by thirty five million. So it's going to yes. be a while, it's going to be around for a while. But yeah, I definitely agree in that sense because Aladdin is in its tenth week um, in theaters, and it's still it got at almost three million this weekend at the box office. So week to week drops are really solid. It's right around it's been around 35 percent every week. So you, yeah, it's. It's definitely the same thing where, yeah, Lion King is definitely going to make <laughs> so much money. And it's just, Disney is just drunk with power. It, it's just throwing all this stuff in the theaters and making so much money. So um, I am curious to kind of see, because um, it, it is tough. So I wonder if we're going to see some type of fatigue set in soon enough. Because, I mean, we've seen it with Dumbo and um, a little bit of Peach Dragon as well. If it's not the... A++ uh, animated property, people don't really rush out in droves to see it. So I am curious, um, as Disney kind of gets through their catalog of films, I mean, we have The Little, Little Mermaid coming out soon, and Mulan as well. I'm, I'm curious to see what their strategy is going to move towards in future years, because they can't, they can't keep remaking it, or maybe they can't, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, well, they're integrating some of them into disney plus so like lady and the tramp is being remade uh, i think to launch with disney plus um but we also have like maleficent 2 coming out this year so oh, i'm interested to see how that, that one does um i think like hunchback of notre dame's on the list somewhere so it'll be interesting to see kind of how the yeah kind of what you're saying how these other properties do down the line because we have had stuff that's completely just flopped in the past but then we also have these mega hits or like they're doing the uh uh the cruella Deville movie at some point which i think is kind of their 101 dalmatians take on maleficent so it'll be interesting to see how like some of these kind of more fringe properties play out going down yeah, the line definitely and isn't emma stone gonna be in that movie i feel like she's been connected to it for so, sure. so long but yeah, it's it is really interesting. I mean, obviously, IP is kind of the name of the game in Hollywood right now, so I can't really fault Disney for going this way. But it is interesting. I mean, we're gonna reach a point at some point. I guess um, everything comes to an end or something like that. But it is, yeah. But for the meantime, and you can't can't really fault these numbers. Lion King is doing really, really well, uh, even with the drop and um, still made do, doing a killer amount of business. So can't you can't complain in in the present tense. <laughs> yep so we'll uh move on from disney for a little bit not very long but <laughs> go to uh, once upon a time in hollywood uh which is tarantino's strongest uh opening weekend at least domestically as far as numbers go um, it opened up to 40.3 million which is really really strong for him um you know he normally sits around 30 um i think django had the largest opening which was um, sitting around like right at 30. Um, actually, Inglorious Bastards was his largest one before, which was 38. Um, so 40 million is is pretty solid for him. Uh, the reactions to it have been pretty mixed from what I've seen, just kind of browsing film Twitter. I know I loved it. Uh, I know you you really liked it. I personally think it's one of his best ones, and it's just like it's such a unique movie 
compared to everything else he's done. I could, I, I don't remember laughing this hard during any other Tarantino movie, and I really wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with, I am totally with you on this movie. I really, really enjoyed it, and we were, we were talking before we came on here. It's just, I have a very, diff- I had a very different reaction to this movie when compared to his other movies. Like, I'm, I'm Lee. I'm leaving Pulp Fiction. I mean, I, uh, the movie came out before I was born. I guess I'm aging myself there. But uh, every time I've watched it, I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. Tarantino's the best. <laughs> like, this is cool. Or Inglorious Bastard. It's like, yeah, fuck those Nazis. They suck. <laughs> like, this is great. I love it. And this one, I left the theater, and I was just a little sad and a little, just a little emotional for all these people. And I think this is, Tarantino is really, he's really, kind of taking a stance of where he is in his career. And I think he's cast this movie inc- and just really in- smartly and kind of mirrors. There's a really interesting meta text that I want to really break down in a, in a forthcoming article about all these characters and which actor or actress is playing them. And I, I really dug this movie. I think this movie has a lot more in common with Jackie Brown than a lot of his other movies where it's just kind of a lot of character stuff and people are just kind of hanging out and, roaming kind of a little aimlessly and i wonder if because i don't think that's going to necessarily lead to super box office success i mean this is his highest opening ever but the cinema score was a b which in cinema score speak isn't great um most of his movies are in the a range so i think this movie's gonna have a bigger drop off uh than we've seen from the other ones because it's not necessarily a rah-rah type of like Django. Django Unchained is his highest grossing movie of like ever worldwide. People love that. People saw it multiple times. And I don't think this movie lends itself to that kind of theater experience in multiple viewings. So um, I really love this movie. I think it's fascinating. Uh, it's a rich text, as they say. I want to look, look at it and study it for a really long time, but I'm not sure uh, future weeks how this movie will do. So I think it's really interesting. Uh, it's, I love Tarantino, and uh, this is really an interesting film for his filmography. And I'm really looking forward to see what this does because this could have lasting effects on auteurs in Hollywood and what kind of money they can have for their films. And it's, it's all very fascinating to me. Yeah, and I, I think as far as you know, like the opening weekend goes, I think it has a little bit more studio be- power behind it. I've certainly seen this one advertised. Uh, you know, compared to the last movie that came out, the Hateful Eight seen it advertised a lot more because this is the first one he's done with Sony. Um, you know, obviously he was with Miramax for a while and then uh, with the Weinstein Company and yeah, he's not with them for obvious reasons. Um, so I think it does have a little bit more marketing power behind the debut. Um, but yeah, like you said, the I've seen people either be really hot or really cold on this one. Um, and it's it's not as universally like wow this is amazing like uh inglorious or django were when they released and so I'm, I'm really interested to see how this uh carries on especially next week but in the the weeks following as well yeah it's a two hour and 40 minute meditation on fame and your worth in the world and more specifically the movie industry and kind of your legacy and where you are in life so um it's kind of a bummer <laughs> so like you don't see um hitler get shot in the face a hundred times by us by some machine gun uh, there's some of that um dismemberment and all that 
Tarantino pulpy thrills in there, but um, it's definitely not the main focus of it. And it's just kind of a it's it's very relaxed, and I really appreciate it for that. I couldn't I couldn't get enough of it. Um, I think DiCaprio is fucking phenomenal in this movie. It's just maybe my favorite performance from him. And out, Brad Pitt is also outrageous, and I think Margaret Robbie is doing a lot of subtle, interesting things as well in her section in this movie. But yeah, it is really interesting. I think. You, you did mention that Sony is involved in this movie, so that's definitely something to look for because they are they are marketing the shit out of this movie and it's everywhere, and they are definitely going to position it for Oscars later this year. So this movie is going to be thrown in the theaters a while. It's going to get put back in the theaters this fall. So we're definitely going to play the long game uh, with how this movie does financially. So um, reported $90 million budget. Um, I remember when Tarantino was kind of discussing this script when he was first starting it he was when he was forcing studios to fly out to his house and pitch how they were going to market and distribute his movie which is just like the ultimate flex (laughs) (laughs) it's just incredible to me but he said he needed a 94 million dollar budget to make the movie so maybe he's a little under budget there which is i guess great for sony but so yeah they were 90 million you figure it's sony's going to do whatever they can to keep this movie in theaters and keep it relevant and they're definitely going to go after awards so uh, the what are we might have to wait before we can make a determination on how successful this movie was, or maybe if it starts to drop really quickly, maybe we can talk about it. But uh, there's definitely a long game component to all of this. Oh yeah, well, I definitely think this one will stick around for a while, um, and I, I really hope it does. I mean, kind of like you said, and I I talked about this in the uh, shameless plug for the review I did for the site but i think this is one of my favorite dicaprio performances as well like it's just it's so entertaining and like he's he's really good at being really good and really bad and like it's it's just uh like i could talk about this movie for days um but i mean it's it's literally the best acting i've ever seen in my life um to quote one of the other characters from the movie (laughs) but yeah it is it is really great and i i really do want to see it again and i feel like i'm out of the norm there because i don't think people rush out to see it again but there's so many little interesting bits that i feel like will will reward people on uh, more viewings because i mean tarantino is one of those guys where um he is an auteur and people love him but there's also a lot of people that just don't like his movies and that's totally fine and you can your taste is your taste and whatever you like that's cool um so but there's it seems it's tough to say even if around those people who love his movies, if they love it as well. So um, really interesting in that sense. Um, I don't really know. I, I hope it does well. I really do. Cause I love this movie and I love everything about it. And I, it's just, oh, it's so fucking phenomenal to me, but I don't know. We, we shall see. I can yeah, right. keep talking about this movie. It's so good. <laughs> it was a really hard movie to describe um, and review as well. Cause like you, you can't really, talk about it without getting into all the little intricacies of what's going on. Cause basically like Leonardo DiCaprio's plot is he goes on set for a day. Like that's his plot in the movie. <laughs> it's like nothing is happening, but everything is happening at the same time. And I mean, it's just Tarantino kind of flexing his ability and just how long he's been in Hollywood to be able to pull all these pieces together in the, the right order and really pull everything off as well as he did. Yeah. It's, 
it's it feels like a movie where he has like a mirror up to himself while he's writing it because it really feels like he's sifting through a lot of the issues he has and maybe with the industry but just kind of his place and it seems like he's sensing that maybe his turn as the star director is coming to a close and he's kind of using these characters to show that and I think there's something really fascinating and thoughtful and touching that normally isn't in Tarantino movies. Uh, a lot of them are just blindly entertaining, and that's kind of it. I think that's the line of like Django or something like that, where it's just like it is crazy, pulpy fun, and you're going to get that. But I think this movie has far more layers to it. I think it's out for a different type of um, high. I guess is the word is the way you say it. It's it's trying to to do different things, and I've talked to a lot of people who. Um, just weren't really vibing with it for that for that point. Uh, they were expecting something wild and insane like Django or Inglorious Bastards. So uh, it's it is interesting. It's it's kind of a quirky little movie, and I I don't know how it's it's just tough. I don't. It's a tough sell, it, definitely. But I, I'm here for it. I love it, and I'm probably going to cherish it for forever, unless something <laughs> weird happens. So <laughs> I I I loved it. Um, I can't wait to talk about it more and a few more articles I'm going to write for the site, but it is really good stuff. And it's, I just keep I thinking about it more and more. And I think it's a really thoughtful movie and I, I just love it. It's great. <laughs> Go see it. Please, please make, please make me feel good about this movie and make it get a ton of money and it wins all the awards. It'd be great. I would love that. <laughs> Go do that, everybody. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll uh, kind of move on to another Sony movie and touch on Spider-Man Far From Home. So this is now the highest grossing Spider-Man film and the first one to cross a billion dollars. It's sitting at about billion, billion and 36 and some change. Um, and so it's, I mean, it it's a Marvel. Uh, this is their third Marvel movie this year to actually cross the billion mark. Um, and they also clinched the highest grossing movie of all time with Endgame. So, I mean, the MCU is still killing it. And I, I just think it's kind of funny. There were lots of talks about uh, superhero fatigue and franchise fatigue going like coming off of Aquaman and going into um, kind of Marvel's slate for 2019. And I, I don't think we've hit that yet. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really crazy to think about. And so this, it's really funny to think about this movie as it's the ninth highest grossing Marvel movie or MCU movie out of the 23, which is just crazy to think about. So we've, <laughs> gotten, to the, we've gotten to the point where one billion for these kind of movies is it's not necessarily like expected, but it's like it's certainly within the realm of possibility. You throw a good throw a solid movie together that's crowd pleasing in some sense and you're going to get people to go see it multiple times because they love the inner workings of of this universe, and that's just that is just fascinating to see. Uh, it's still racking it up, and I mean, yeah, this is technically a Sony movie, and they're getting the box office receipts, but it's just another <laughs> another win for Disney, man. They they can get all the merch off of this movie, and just everything. It is just man, they they can't they cannot lose. It is <laughs> really crazy. They, they it just keeps going. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is wild. Um, I mean, you know, we're, even back when, um, you know, Avengers crossed a billion dollars, uh, but even when Iron Man 3 came out and crossed over a billion, like, that was a huge deal. Um, like, 
pretty much Batman had been the only solo superhero to do that before. Um, and the fact that you have just like, you know, lower tier superheroes like Captain Marvel and uh, Black Panther even that have just grossed these ridiculous box office receipts without really having heavily been in the public eye before is just insane. Yeah, I remember, I remember the days of when the first Avengers came out and it crossed $200 million its opening weekend, and we thought that was the most insane thing ever. So. <laughs> Meanwhile, you go forward a couple years and we have Endgame ending with, what, 357 in its opening weekend? It's just, it's crazy. I mean, yeah, of course, like, there's some inflation stuff year to year, but it's just, it's so crazy how Disney's been able to eventize these movies and Kind of, you kind of feel left out if you haven't seen them. <laughs> so it's, mm-hmm. it's, they're doing a great job. Um, sometimes, I mean, with The Lion King, I have an issue with how the movies themselves are made, but that's, I think that's a little different from in terms of their box office receipts because there's no sign of slowing down. So clearly, that's that that feeling hasn't permeated through enough people. So they're doing great. They're doing fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to look at, you know, in 2008 when Iron Man released it was considered a huge success because it got to 585 million and like that's laughable by today's marvel receipts like <laughs> that's that would be a failure if if a marvel movie debuted around that um yeah like it's it's just ridiculous how big these things have gotten yeah even ant-man movies like wi- wildly outpaced that number at this point <laughs> like that was the movies but it's still ant-man so it's it is really funny to see uh we've hit that craze of just love for super the superhero genre at this point. So it's it's really cool. It's fun to see sometimes. Yeah, yeah it's it's a nice refresher every now and then. <laughs> so we'll move off to another Disney movie um, with Toy Story Four, which is getting closer to the billion dollar mark. I'm still not a hundred percent convinced it will reach it, but it's sitting at nine hundred and seventeen million worldwide. Um, it like it it's it's not pulling Toy Story three numbers, but this is by far a success for Disney and Pixar, and I mean it, it's it's made way more than an, enough money to recoup all the money they put into it and, and be a success for them. Yeah, I'm, it's basically just if you want to just rewind this podcast back to everything I said about Far From Home, it's it's the same thing here. It's they're doing really well, and um, it's I. I have a sense that it probably will get to a billion because uh, we've we've talked on numerous occasions where if something's getting close, they Disney's gonna even pump more money into keeping it in theaters so that it gets past that whatever number they're hoping to get it past because that's a really really nice thing to offer to shareholders and say, look what we did, we passed this certain thresholds. So um, I I suspect if we come back next week and the Toy Story Four is sitting at Maybe like 960 worldwide, something like that. And I think it has a really good chance of getting to a billion. So it's, I think it's definitely something to look out for. It might be one of those things where Toy Story 4 is consistently at maybe not the top five, but maybe something like six in the six through 10 range at the box office, where it's just, it's just slowly hitting three million every week. It's not really losing theaters because Disney's forcing theaters to, the theater chains to keep it there. Um, so I, that's definitely something that's definitely a long game thing to look at there. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how it compares to Angry Birds 2. <laughs> um, just, I, I think if, 
if I remember correctly, the first Angry Birds wasn't just a huge success. Um, so it, we may be looking at another kind of uh, Secret Life of Pets 2 scenario <laughs> um, where we just have this movie that just kind of appears and then disappears just as quickly. Uh, but if, you know, if Angry Birds 2 does turn out to be a big success, it might slow Toy Story down a lot, but I, I doubt it. I think Toy Story, kind of as you're saying, is going to be hanging around for a while. And you forgot to mention the big movie that's coming out in a couple of weeks, uh, the Playmobil movie, which is surely going to just destroy Toy Story 4 and make all this money and just be a really great um, success for STX Entertainment because they have so many of those. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I still can't believe that's a thing. that We, we live in a world where the Playmobil movie is coming out. <laughs> but um, yeah, I... I kind of agree with you there. I don't. I mean, I don't really see Angry Birds two doing very well. It that movie felt felt like it was aging poorly before it came out for the first one because no one has played Angry Birds the game in a couple years. Um, so the fact that we have a sequel to that is kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, we have that and Playmobil, and there's one other animated movie coming out shortly. So, that yeah, Spies in Disguise. Yeah. I think it's it's something yeah that's coming out December. There's not really I can't really think of oh there's I know what it is. There's an there's a movie called Abominable um, coming that's out right. in September uh, where a weird yeti can make blueberries pop and grow in size and grow corn. So um, yeah, that's a movie <laughs> coming out soon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I think Toy Story is like I don't really think those movies are going to really hurt Toy Story much at all. Um, so I don't know. I think it's tough. I think if I had to bet, I think I'd say that it's more likely than not that Toy Story four gets a billion. Um, maybe that's just uh, wishful thinking, but I don't know. I feel, I feel like it has a pretty good shot given the landscape of movies for August, and not really much comes out during that month. So we'll see. Yeah, I, th- I think Disney will push it over that hill, and kind of like you said, it it doesn't really have much competition. Um, I completely forgot the Playmobil movie existed. <laughs> I think I saw one trailer for it in March, like on a deep, dark corner of the internet. And I, I have heard nothing of it since then. So, yeah, I really don't expect <laughs> it to really stick anywhere. I still can't believe this is... So, I think STX needs to stop doing animated movies because this is... We had Ugly Dolls, um, the famous Ugly Dolls movie um, that came out in May. And then we have Playmobil. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just, what, just like, what the fuck is happening? Like, what is this? Am I in a dream? Especially in a year where, like, the actual version of Lego didn't really succeed. I, I really doubt the knockoff version of Playmobil is going to take off in any legitimate means. Yeah, I... I don't understand this world sometimes. It's very strange to me. <laughs> and it shows and it shows through some movies that get greenlit because it's just like, what the fuck are you thinking? <laughs> sometimes it feels like we're back in the eighties and there's just like like just Jerry Bruckheimer is still snorting copious amounts of cocaine before every he's like, ah, that sounds really great. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna put a movie with uh, Nick Cage and his face is gonna be off and ah that sounds great. No, it's screen like that <laughs> just this doesn't make any sense to me at all <laughs> yeah this is 
it's just a weird weird choice <laughs> um so we'll, we'll move on to crawl which is um only had about a 34.4 percent drop pulled in four million uh, this weekend domestically so it's it's just kind of uh sorry for the pun it's it's just crawling its way uh through <laughs> the top five kids it's just making it you know it's it, we've talked about this before it's not the huge success that paramount probably thought it could be um but it's it's been a success kind of regardless and especially domestically um domestic totals make up almost 70 percent of its total haul um so it's just been a like a nice little mini hit um to carry everybody through july yeah it's definitely a really good hit in terms of its core audience because i feel like this movie it's dropping really well week to week which is nice to see for because horror movies technically they really don't get that a lot they normally get pretty steep drops because the people who want to see horror movies just see them and that's kind of it uh, but this movie's doing really well week to week. Um, it kind of started at a low point, so it's not getting crazy numbers every week. But it's it's making its money. It's a hit, and in those relative terms that you mentioned, and it's it's over tripled more than tripled its budget, and it's just it's doing fine. <laughs> it's funny because we talk about we see all these gaudy numbers from Disney, and we never really get a lot of these kind of movies anymore. Which is it kind of talks to the polarization of the movies that come out where everything is just a crazy high budget or just like no money at all that it's made for. Um, so it is kind of, it's like a weirdly refreshing to see a movie make 45, 46 million worldwide and it be considered like a moderate success. <laughs> that just, it feels like it's from a different time when we see numbers like that. Yeah. Um, like we've, uh we've seen a few movies like that this year, just kind of thinking about it. I mean, we talked about the upside for forever like that. was just kind of a nice unexpected hit. And, uh, uh, yesterday, but yeah, you, you really don't see like little mini successes like this anymore because the successes are just massive <laughs> when you're talking like on Disney's level. Um, it's, it's, it's nice to see something that's kind of smaller and can, move on at its own pace yeah it is it is i like that i did like that you mentioned the upside there and yesterday because those are two of the weird like weirdly the most successful movies of the year and the upside was crazy successful back in january um yesterday is kind of still plugging along it passed 100 million uh, worldwide this week so that's still plugging along as well so yeah it is it's definitely very interesting to kind of see these movies they're they're just kind of plugging along they're they're doing well they're not totally irrelevant but they're they're finding their place okay which is fun to see it's fun to see for these kind of weird quirky little movies to make some kind of money yeah and i mean it means we'll hopefully get more kind of in the same vein so i i would watch crawl 2 when it debuts on netflix in like five years <laughs> crawl 2 uh, electric boogaloo crawl 2 <laughs> uh the desolation of smog <laughs> i'm in <laughs> sounds great crawl 3d um honestly the you could really just take this in the jaws direction and pump out sequels and figure out that like the son of the first alligator from this movie is is the villain and crawl the revenge like you could, you could it out pretty well and then you cross it over with sharknado and then it's on the sci-fi network and then it's it's really great and then because they they both deal with like hurricanes of some sort oh, it's perfect it's it's the greatest 
it's the greatest crossover event we never knew we wanted. I think we're onto something. <laughs> Someone should call us. Some producer should give us a call and listen to what we have to say. Uh, let's call Quentin Tarantino. We know what he's doing for his 10th movie now. <laughs> Honestly, if you would do something weird like that, I'd be like, fine, do it. <laughs> you, have, you, have, you have my blessing, Quentin. You can do whatever you want. Do it. <laughs> uh, we can hope. <laughs> so uh, moving on a little bit, um, as I believe we mentioned it briefly when talking about The Lion King, but Aladdin has crossed the billion dollar mark this year. Um, there was, a, there's always been a lot of question about this movie just from before it released and even after it released where it, you know, it didn't have just a monster, um, opening weekend, but it is just slowly, but surely made its way to a billion. Um, like this movie probably has the most consistent legs, um, kind of on par with the upside, really. Um, that movie obviously didn't make a billion dollars, but it, it had just these minor 30% drops for weekend after weekend and you know aladdin has has stuck with these just really low drops as well i mean we had in week uh six it dropped 17.9 percent and like it's just stuck around 30 percent drops every week and has slowly made all of the money yeah i think when we're kind of like looking back at this retrospectively i think it this was the movie that really benefited from the slow june that we had because I mean, just every week, it just seemed like whatever big budget movie was coming out was just kind of failing. I mean, you had Dark Phoenix to start the month, and then Men in Black. Men in Black was in there somewhere, and then it just it felt really tiring. And then people were like, "Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go see a movie. I, I guess I'll go see Aladdin." Um, <laughs> I'm sure not every everyone's choice to see that movie was as passive as that, but uh, it's it definitely benefited because it didn't really have a, cr- a crazy competition aside from. I guess maybe Toy Story Four, <laughs> the other another Disney movie. So uh, <laughs> it's yeah, it's kudos to I guess kudos to everyone involved. I mean, you made a hit. Uh, it's really good. It's weirdly weirdly Guy Ritchie made a successful movie after um, the the beautiful mess that was uh, led King Arthur Legend of the Sword. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's doing great. Good job Disney. You continue to make all the money. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't even think, kind of touching on the Black International, I don't even think that's in theaters anymore. Um, like, yeah, we just saw a lot of these movies that completely dropped off the face of the earth. Um, Godzilla was kind of the same way, and yeah, you mentioned Dark Phoenix, and now we're kind of getting back into movies that'll stick around for a while, which is nice. And, I mean, one of the other, just, it, it, it's not a huge hit yet, just because it hasn't really um, opened uh, very wide yet but the farewell has just been killing these average per theater counts like it it beat Endgame's record for average ticket sales per theater it's it's just been slowly expanding um and i mean it's it's an indie release so it's it's taking its time but it's pulled in over um, three and a half million domestically just these past few weeks and it's only in 135 theaters as of this weekend um so it's just been a really big hit for a24 yeah i think so this movie uh we talked about it when it first came out it had the highest per screen average of the year so far i think it was like around like eighty-eight thousand per screen something like that which was higher than endgame and every other movie that's come out and 
even so we're in its third week of release it's 135 screens now as you mentioned and its per screen average was at 11,510 which was higher than once upon a time in Hollywood's this week um so that's a good little gauge for that and yeah this movie is doing really solid numbers for a24 on that relative scale um i think it's definitely going to continue to expand because these numbers are really really good for them and it continues to increase so um my hope is that this i mean it's going to be tough but i really would love to see this movie kind of break out and be uh, a sneaky oscar movie later this year i mean we still need to kind of see what it's coming down the pipeline and uh, the, the TIFF schedule was just announced. So I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of great movies that come out of that that are um, kind of big this award season. But I would love to see this movie do uh, crazy numbers for A24 because it seems I still haven't seen it and I really want to. But it seems like everyone's just leaving the theater just in a puddle of tears and regret for their life decisions with their family. <laughs> and <laughs> it seems like a really sweet movie. And I I. I kind of root for little little gems like this one. Yeah, I'm really excited for it to release a little bit wider, hoping that that's coming in the next few weeks. Um, just because, yeah, I, I have yet to hear a negative reaction to this. Um, it, it's just been nothing but praise so far. Yeah, and it's we can, we can kind of talk about, I guess, leading into next week. I mean, because... So next week we have Hobbs and Shaw. Then after that, I mean, August is always kind of an awkward month for movies and it's really hit or miss and studios dump a lot of things that they don't really have a lot of faith in that month. So this is the time when you could have something like The Farewell kind of just stay in theaters for a little bit and maybe stay in like 500 or something like that and just kind of peck away and make a lot of money, a lot of money that way and build word of mouth. So I think it's set up really well to do that i don't really see a lot of comp uh, complete competition i mean unless a lot of there's a lot of overlap between the fast and furious and the farewell um i don't really see uh, a lot of fans getting conflicted about which way to go on that one so uh it's i think this movie could have a chance and maybe sneak above 10 million uh maybe 15 um and if it gets any higher than that we can talk about who knows maybe it becomes a some type of Oscar hit. We shall see. It's a 24. So I'm sure they have that plan in place. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, getting into next week in August, August is just going to be a really interesting month. And before starting off with Hobbs and Shaw, which is the most actiony movie ever, um, just from the trailer. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I mean, it's directed by uh, David Leach, who was behind uh, the first John wick. And is, I, I believe he's still involved with, um, two and three but he did deadpool two and this just seems like something right up his alley i mean the rock is the rock i i have no doubt this will be a big hit for the fast and furious franchise and then like um everything is releasing on august 9th um there's like the dora movie and scary stories to tell in the dark and that movie about the racing dog uh oh with, with kevin costner <laughs> <laughs> There's the movie about the uh, NFL player that was in on uh, false rape charges and uh, Where'd You Go Bernadette with Kate Blanchett. Like, there's just a ton of stuff releasing on August 9th. And then, yeah, it's, it's just a weird month. That Good Boys movie comes out. Angry Birds 2 is later in the month. <laughs> Angel has fallen. Like, it, it's just going to be probably a really slow month, but at least an interesting one. Yeah, it is... It is always a weird eclectic group, and I think 
I think Good Boys is, I mean, Harbs and Shaw is going to be a big international hit. All the Fast and Furious movies do crazy numbers all over the world. And they've done a really good job of building that as that type of movie that can cross bound, uh, racial boundaries and all types of nations. And they do a really good job with kind of making those movies appeal to everybody. But I think, I think Good Boys is one of those movies that could kind of sneak up on a lot of people. It's got a it's got a really great trailer, I feel like, where it's just kids doing effed up shit that they shouldn't be getting into. Sure. Um, <laughs> so I think that's there's definitely a curiosity factor with that movie that I think it could do well. I mean, we don't know. Or maybe it won't do well and we'll have to wait till It Chapter 2 for an interesting movie to come out. So uh, <laughs> we'll see. Sorry, I forgot. Uh, 47 Meters Down, another shark movie. Uh, 47 <laughs> Meters Down 2, Uncaged, uh, which is... The sequel that everyone's been asking for. I've been asking for it. <laughs> I don't know who I'm... <laughs> I can't wait. That movie's going to be terrible, but I'm going to love it. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll be there too, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be so bad, but I can't wait. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's just... It's going to be an interesting month. And uh, I... It, we, we talked about this before uh, we got on too, but I started watching the Fast and the Furious movies having never seen any but the last two and I, I don't understand anything but I am so ready for Hobbs and Shaw like <laughs> I just want to see Idris Elba and The Rock and Jason Statham punch stuff for two hours and I will be <laughs> completely satisfied yeah there's that part in the trailer where The Rock literally pulls a helicopter out of the sky <laughs> with his with his bicep and I'm like sold <laughs> this looks like the greatest thing ever I'm in um, <laughs> I can't wait I mean we've talked about it before it's it looks like it's the one Fast and the Furious movie that's completely in about on how stupid it is uh which is the parts I really love about those movies uh so I, I can't wait for this this looks like a ton of fun ton of stupid fun um that I can't wait for <laughs> it's, it's it looks great The Rock just doing things with his muscles I'm here for it all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's not too early to say this is probably the uh, biggest Oscar contender for uh, the 2020 Academy Awards. Oh, uh, easily. I can, the farewell can go fuck itself. We got Hobbs and Shaw coming in. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Forget everything you think you know, because The Rock is about to take it over. <laughs> God, this is so stupid. I can't wait. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, we'll be back next week talking about Hobbs and Shaw. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Movie Babble Podcast. And remember, you can check us out online at moviebabblereviews.com. And check us out next week as we talk about the opening weekend for Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw.